0: This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit wogcc.com. You know, I think that us pastors um, become a little envious sometimes of guest ministers who travel around from church to church because sometimes those guys can just say whatever they want and drop the mic and leave town, right? Right. And uh, you go, oh, that's uh, a guest minister can just do that. So sometimes it's easier for a guest minister to deal with topics in Scripture that may be uh, tension-filled or may have a little bit of controversy around them. And there are things in the Bible that leave us with a lot of tension. And here's what happens oftentimes when there's tension is that instead of us staying on the road, we either get in one ditch on one side or one ditch on the other side of the road. And a lot of times we want to stay in our ditch, even though that particular area in the Scripture may uh, have a lot of tension surrounding it. We get in one camp or the other, and we just kind of mainly camp out in that. Well, let me tell you, this morning I'm going to deal with something that may or may not, in your view, be controversial, depending on how you were brought up and depending on the understanding of the Word of God That you have. And so, in light of that, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Here's what I want us to do I want us to approach this with a spirit of humility and allow our ideas to be sharpened and created and structured by the very Word of God and His Holy Spirit. Can we agree to do that? Now, everybody's going to have their own opinion and their own thought on certain issues and certain things all throughout scripture, because just to be quite honest with you, there's some things the Bible leaves us in tension, leaves us in these areas of not just being definitive. And so where churches get divided is when they want to camp out in one ditch or the other. So my intention today is not to try to get you over to my ditch, okay? My intention today is to try to show you in the Word of God what this subject uh, is dealt with through Scripture so we can look through the lens of Scripture and allow the Word of God and the Holy Spirit to help us to grow in our journey together. Because what we do here when we go through Scripture, when we teach Scripture, these things should unite us and bring us together. Amen? And that's my intent today, is for us to understand the power of the voice of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to talk about this morning, Uh, that's what we're going to talk about this morning, and we're going to kick that off in John chapter 16, John 16, and before we read that, why don't we just go to the Lord with a word of prayer. God, I thank you for this opportunity once again to share your word with your people. Don't take that lightly at all, sir. I ask that you would just help me to oritate it in such a way that the ears of the hearers would be able to properly hear it, Father, and that our hearts would be able to discern, Father, your truth, and that you would make it applicable for exactly where we're at in life. And I pray that you would help us all to grow because we're all on this journey together, and we want to be united in your kingdom purpose for our lives. And so help us to understand how the Holy Spirit helps us to do that. So I pray that through your word being spoken as it saints through each filter of each individual's life, each individual's past, each individual's upbringing, each individual's understanding, and interpretation of Scripture, I pray that your Holy Spirit would bring us to the truth. And we thank you that it is that truth that is going to set us free. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, John chapter 16 and verse 5. We're going to start off with the words of Jesus here, John 16 In verse 5, Jesus is talking here. He says, I have to go away to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Jesus told him he had to go away, but nobody asked where he was going. They were just so sad, they didn't even really care where he was going. They're just like, we're so upset about this that you're leaving. So Jesus said, all right, listen. I tell you the truth. This is actually to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the Helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. Some of your translations may read the Comforter, but the particular translation, New King James that I'm reading out of, says Helper. And uh, verse 8, And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, and of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However... When He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will tell you of things to come. He's going to glorify Me, and He's going to take of what is Mine and declare it to you. All of the things that the Father has are Mine. Therefore I said that He will take of Mine, and He will declare it to you. So here Jesus is letting us know something's coming. Because I'm having to leave. And it is going to be the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to be able to do exactly what he said he would do. And that is convict the world of sin, of righteousness and judgment. So we see here that the Holy Spirit's role in what Jesus described up until this point is going to be to convict the world of sin and bring us to our knowing and our awareness of our need for a savior. Now, there is a very stark contrast between conviction and condemnation because some people get these two mixed up all of the time, all right? condemnation speaks to who you are condemnation will bring shame and because i am this terrible person i'm awful no one can love me i'm unlovable i'm unforgivable i am i've been condemned i'm destined and doomed to die and there's just no hope for me so condemnation always brings about a hopelessness and conviction is something that's actually an act of love of god that actually draws us to a place of repentance now when i say repentance I don't mean we just say, I'm sorry. The word repentance actually means to turn away from, all right? So the Holy Spirit's job is to convict, not condemn. So if condemnation is knocking on the door of your heart or filling your mind and you feel like you're this terrible person, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's the enemy trying to get you to be stuck and isolated in your sin and your shame and all of that junk that he wants to wrap you up in. The Holy Spirit does not do that. That's why Romans 8 and 1 says, There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because the law of the Spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. So the Holy Spirit does not bring condemnation. Some people have this really weird idea of God, that he's really upset with you, he doesn't like you very much at all, he thinks you're a nasty person, and he's just waiting around the corner because he knows you messed up the other day, and he's waiting to whack you across the head with the newspaper. And that's how some people view God. And they view God as as this, this, this person who is very distant and disconnected from my life, but the part that he does know about me scares me because he doesn't like me. Well, that's not what Scripture tells me, because the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So that means that in the middle of my sin, in the middle of all of my guiltiness, That Jesus gave me the ultimate act of love as a way to let him know how he feels about me. That he would be willing to die on the cross for me when I was still in my sin. Now, he doesn't want me to stay in my sin, so therefore the Holy Spirit convicts me of sin and makes me aware of my need for forgiveness. The Holy Spirit lets me know, I don't need to do this. I need to stay away from this, and and this is something harmful in my life, and I realize I'm sinful, and I need a Savior, and the Holy Spirit points me to Jesus. The Holy Spirit always points me to a a resolution and never just shames me and beats me over the head. So you want to know, am I hearing the voice of God? Am I hearing the Holy Spirit leading and guiding me to all truth, which is ultimately Jesus? Is what you're hearing, is it condemnation, or is it conviction? There's a difference. Conviction is very healthy because it speaks to what I've done, not who I am. You see, it speaks to what I've done, and I know that everything that I have done, my past, my present, and my future, is all covered in the blood of Jesus. And he wants me to walk in freedom from the power of sin. Amen? And so because of that, he uses the Holy Spirit to lead me and guide me. I I, I know that maybe you've had a similar experience, but there are certain things in life that the Holy Spirit will convict us of in order to bring glory to God through our lives. And some of those things are inherently sinful, and we can see that black and white, clear as day in the Bible. And some of those things, maybe the Bible doesn't even speak to at all. Maybe the Holy Spirit is wanting to work something in you for His good pleasure and for the glory of God and for your benefit. Point in case, I have a buddy of mine who lives in Oklahoma, and he is a huge OU Sooners fan. I mean huge. And I don't see any scriptures that say that being an OU Sooners fan is a sin. I don't know. Maybe you feel differently depending on who your favorite football team is. But this guy could not wait for football season to come around. He ate, slept, and breathed Sooner football. Matter of fact, I don't know if the guy even owned a pair of clothing that wasn't OU related. All right? This was his favorite college. He lived in Oklahoma. He's passionate about it because Oklahoma, they don't have a pro football team. God bless their heart. Bless their little heart, but they think that OU is, much like Arkansas thinks the Razorbacks huh, are our professional team. And, and so he loved this team so much that even the horn on his truck was the fight song of the Sooners. He would honk his horn at you to say hi, and it would begin to play Boomer Sooner on his horn. This is how passionate this guy was. This guy was on my youth staff when I was a youth pastor in Oklahoma at a church, and God told him before football season started, he convicted him, about how much he was involved in OU. And he said, I want you to give that up this entire season. Not watch a football game, not uh, wear any of your OU clothes. So he had to go shopping. And he said, I don't even want you to read the newspaper on the highlights and the scores. Now, that was the Holy Spirit convicting him. Was OU inherently sin? No, absolutely not. And here is where we need to be careful as Christians that we take something that the Holy Spirit is dealing with us about and we try to make everybody feel the same way about the subject. Because we, if the Bible speaks clearly on it, then very clearly we see the underlying principle, for sure we can help people through those times. But this is part of working your own salvation out with fear and trembling because that was sinful for him. If he would have watched OU, he would have been sinning. But other people that were watching OU that year, were they sinning too? No? Would he have been right to have gotten up in a pulpit or to teach my youth group about how sinful OU football was? No, absolutely. He would have been wrong on all accounts. So the thing is, is that sometimes the Holy Spirit convicts us of things that are obviously black and white in Scripture or that have a principle behind them in Scripture that we can clearly see God's wanting to lead us from. Sometimes he convicts us of things that maybe aren't inherently sinful, but they're things that he's wanting to work something in us for. So we need to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in those areas. And it's not a condemnation thing. It's not a you're a terrible person thing. That's the enemy at work. It's a, hey, I really want you to stop this. Or, hey, I really want you to do this or, or, or begin doing this. And it's a conviction because we always look at conviction as things that we shouldn't do. But, you know, sometimes convictions are also things we should do. We'll be convicted to do something, to take an action. Perhaps we've been too passive in an area. Or perhaps we have been reluctant to step out in a certain area to trust God. And we feel really convicted over that. It's not a shame thing. It's a, man, I feel a responsibility to step out and do this. And that's what the Holy Spirit does in us. And the Holy Spirit does this in the life of the believer and the unbeliever. Now let's look at another work of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 1. So just flip over a few pages there if you're still in John. Acts chapter 1 and verse 4. And we're going to read the words of Jesus still speaking. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall, receive the, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so when I read here about the, the other attribute... Of the Holy Spirit is not only to convict the world of sin and to point us to Jesus and to help us to continually grow in that walk, but also that there is a baptism in the Holy Spirit that will empower us to be witnesses of Jesus to all of the world. And I think that we need to look and remind ourselves of the purpose of the power of the Holy Spirit. Because if we look at what Scripture says, what Jesus Himself said, the purpose of the power is so that we can be witnesses of Jesus in Jerusalem, and Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So what I gather from Scripture is that the power of the Holy Spirit affects both unbelievers and believers. It's not just something that leads us or someone who leads us to a relationship with Christ and then does this regenerative work in our hearts where we become in right relationship with God and then says, see you later. No, there is that power that affects the unbeliever, but then there's also the power of the Holy Spirit That affects believers and equips us and empowers us to do what we could never do on our own. Because here's the thing. Can you change a heart? No. Have we tried? Oh, yeah. Lots. Maybe even on the way to church this morning. You tried to change your wife's heart about what you were going to do this afternoon and what you weren't going to do. And she tried to change your heart right back. Maybe... You were trying to change someone's heart at work by getting them to think a certain way, but their heart is bent in a certain way. You cannot change someone's heart. But guess what? God can. The Holy Spirit can. And guess what? The Holy Spirit wants to work in you and through you because sometimes the Holy Spirit will give you things to say that, man, there's no way you could have come up with that on your own. That was the Holy Spirit giving you something to say to that individual that you hadn't pre-thought. I I counsel a lot of people as a pastor, and oftentimes... If I don't know what I'm going to be counseling them about, man, I spend a lot of time in prayer on the way to that counseling session because I don't know what I'm getting into. Sometimes I'll make up these imaginations in my mind about what is about to happen. Is this person about to say this or this? Or am I about to have to deal with it? I have no idea. I'm trying to search through especially if I don't know the person that well. And I'm going, I have no idea. And sometimes even if I do know them well, I have this idea of what we're going to talk about. When I get there, it's completely different. So it's very hard sometimes to be prepared to always have the right thing to say, because just like every one of you, when you're going to talk to somebody trying to help them out, you kind of think about what you want to say to the person. And most of the time, you know the person, you know the situation to some extent. Well, a lot of times I have to meet with so many various people that I don't know all of the details or I don't know the situation I'm getting into. So I have to trust in the Holy Spirit's power to work through me, to be able to give me the words for these people. And normally, when I get together with people, it starts off like this. They'll share with me what's going on in their lives, and then I'll begin to give them what I think in the moment, because I'm just trying to catch up to speed at this point, because I've just now been hit with whatever it is that they have presented to me. And as I begin to speak, and then all of a sudden there's a shift. Every time, without fail, when I counsel people, there's always a shift. And the shift is, when I began saying things with a lot more boldness and a lot more clarity, and I began to actually hear the voice of God giving me things to share to those people that I was not ready to share. I hadn't pre-thought of. I wasn't ready to say those things. I I didn't know that's what I was going to be dealing with. And so at first, I may be stumbling around trying to solve the issue in my own strength, and then the Holy Spirit takes over. And all of a sudden, the tone in the room changes and my tone changes. And sometimes I will even give a caveat in a counseling session and say, Now, I want you to understand this is not a normal part of our conversation. I feel like God wants me to share this particularly with you. And I'll share something that the Holy Spirit gave me in that moment. Now, I don't have the power to come up with this stuff on my own. I am not smart enough to figure out all that stuff on my own. I can't fix everybody's problems on my own. Amen? The Holy Spirit in us, however, will give us the power to point people to Jesus every time. That's why it always drives me nuts when people are always like, I would tell people about Jesus, I would be a better witness for Him, but I just don't know enough Scripture. I just, I don't know the right things to say. I don't know exactly what to do in this situation or that situation. And, and to, to a certain degree, it's not a bad thing to try to equip yourself with some scripture, or it's definitely not a bad thing to try to equip yourself with some things you want to say to the individual. But what about the situations you walk in and you just don't know and somebody needs help, huh? Amen. Or what about when God is drawing you to go speak to someone and you don't even know that person? You're like, I feel like I should go talk to that person, but... I don't even know what I'm going to say. That's where faith comes into play. All right? The power of the Holy Spirit ignites and operates in us and through us when we have faith and we trust in Him and stop trusting in ourselves. Because sometimes all God wants us to do is step out of the boat. We can't walk on water. Remember Peter walking on water? He couldn't walk on water. And, but all he could do was step out, right? And then Jesus did the rest. Faith works the same way. Sometimes we just need to step out knowing that God wants us to go talk to this person we may or may not know or share something with them. And you've got to tap them on the shoulder and say, I I promise I'm not crazy, right? Remember that? I promise I'm not crazy. But I really feel like God wants me to share this with you or God wants me to pray with you. The Holy Spirit will empower you to pray bold prayers, to speak bold things. There were three different times in Scripture that we see Peter, the disciple of Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit on three separate occasions to speak the Word of God boldly to where people were scratching their heads going, this is just a fisherman, right? You remember this guy? He's the fisherman. We remember his dad and him fishing on the boat. He's teaching him how to mend the nets and teaching him how to reel in the net. We remember watching this guy grow. And now this guy is speaking like someone who has been educated in Scripture, someone who has dedicated their entire life to the study and proper exegesis of Old Testament prophecies and speaking forth those things with such an assurance and a boldness, that's crazy because that guy is a fisherman, right? They would expect that if it would have said he was a priest or a rabbi, but not a fisherman. So it blew their minds. Because you want to know why? It wasn't Peter that was necessarily speaking those things, it was the Holy Spirit inspiring Peter to speak those things. And so Peter spoke them with a boldness that he didn't possess in and of himself. Because if Peter would have been trusting in his own intellect, that's limited, right? right? Peter would have been trusting in his own ability to communicate truth, that's limited. But guess what? God is limitless. And that same Spirit was on the inside of him, declaring the things of God with such a boldness. And God wants to use believers today in the same way. And here's the thing. The, the power of the Holy Spirit manifests itself in a lot of different ways. In different times and in different individuals, he deals differently. The Bible says that's the Holy Spirit wills. So there may be times where, where, where there's a particular gift that God has given you that you can exercise on a regular basis. Or there may be times where God sovereignly steps in and wants to use you in a particular situation and it has nothing to do with you and how special you are. Because the character of the Holy Spirit is always to glorify God and not an individual. Oh, let me say that slow so I could say it some more. The character of the Holy Spirit is always to glorify God and not an individual. You remember when we read in John 16 just a little bit earlier, what did Jesus say about this helper, this comforter, this Holy Spirit that was coming? What did he say about the Holy Spirit? He said that he's not going to speak on its own will, but he's going to speak and point people to me, Right? So he's going to be bringing glory to Jesus, not to an individual. I always have a problem when people begin to overly spiritualize themselves in an attempt to set themselves up on a pedestal so people will begin to follow them and think that they're special. If the individual who is claiming to be spiritual is not pointing you to Jesus, you better look out. You better look out. Because he said, if it's really me, if it's really the Holy Spirit in operation, it's going to point people to Jesus, not turn them away from him. It's going to say, no, this brings glory to God. This is right. This brings glory to him. Because God is for God. He does things through us and in us for his glory. And if ministry or spiritual things ever become about an individual, you need to look out. If word of grace ever becomes about Derek Armstrong, you need to look out. This is not about me, this is not about any of our staff or anyone that you read after or follow after who you consider a spiritual leader. If we're not pointing you to Jesus and we're pointing you to ourselves, we're wrong. Amen. People who are in positions of authority and spiritual leadership should always be pointing those that follow them to Jesus, not to themselves. Right. I'm not trying to build a fan club here, okay? Amen? Because guess what? I'm not that special. No amens there. Thanks for that, by the way. <laughs> Some of you wanted to amen, but you thought it would be weird and I would give you a mean mug if I did. And you're right, I would have. <laughs> but, but listen, I, I, I'm, I'm not special. Just because I, I'm a pastor, I have a different responsibility than you have. I have a different role than you have. But it's not any more or less important than anyone else's role in the body of Christ. It's just another role. My giftedness is not more special than any of your giftedness just because I'm on the stage and you're listening to me. It just happens to be this is my role. This is what I'm supposed to do. And now you need to do what you're supposed to do and not look at me as special. Instead, why don't you look at what has God gifted and called and equipped me to do empowered by His Holy Spirit to reach more people for his kingdom instead of just looking at someone else's giftedness and just crutching on that and following that. Find out what you're gifted to do. And that's my job as the pastor is to equip you to find what your giftedness is and to grow in that and to point you to Jesus. If I'm not pointing you to Jesus, you better look out. If somebody who's claiming to be spiritual is pointing you to themselves so you can look and admire how spiritual they are, oh, look how loudly they pray. Oh, look at how spiritual they are. Look at just how all the things that they do. If if it points to them, let me tell you something. You better watch out because anything that we do for God in the name of God needs to point people to God. If someone claims to be operating in the power of the Holy Spirit and they cause embarrassment to God, shame, or simply attracting attention to themselves, look out because the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus. If people begin to talk about how powerful and anointed they are, look out. You never see that type of language between the disciples of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I can read all through the New Testament, and I never see Peter talking about how powerful and anointed he is. I never see it one time where he's going, well, I'm anointed, so you need to listen to me. Okay? No, actually, what we do have record of is when the disciples of Jesus were still early on with Jesus in his ministry while Jesus was still here on the earth, and they said, hey, Jesus... Which one of us is, is going to be able to sit next to you when you, you, you bring us into your kingdom? Which one of us is, is, is going to be able to sit at your right hand? Jesus said, oh, <laughs> for real, you guys. They even had their mama come and ask him which one was more special. Jesus looks at their mama, looks at some of the disciples. He says, guys, kingdom of heaven doesn't work that way. He said, the first are going to be last. He said, "And the last, are going to be first. He said, if, if you want to be first in the kingdom of heaven, you have to become a servant of all. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, you need to serve. And, and sometimes serving my brother is, is, is me preferring my brother. So instead of me focusing on my own individual experience, I actually prefer my brother. And I say, no, I, I want to help him or her grow in their walk with God than just focusing on myself. That's being spiritual. <laughs> Pastor's preaching now. If people begin to talk about how powerful and anointed they are, you need to look out because Jesus sternly corrected them. Because there is no classification of someone being more spiritual because of the operation of their giftedness. Because here's the thing. I I, I think that all of our, our giftedness that the Holy Spirit empowers us with is all to be for the glory of God. And a lot of things that we start out doing, we forget why we're doing it. And when we forget the purpose and the why, we make it about us. And we lose the whole... And I, I think that a lot of churches that are more traditional in nature, I don't think those churches are bad by no means just because we do things differently than those churches. You're not at the spiritually elite church because we may not have more traditional things happening. Amen? Amen. But, but, but here's the thing. It, it, we all have our own little traditions and our own little things that we do regardless of, of how ancient they may be or how recent and modern they may be. We, we all do those things. When they become wrong is when we forget why we started doing them in the first place. Amen? Amen. There's nothing wrong with honoring the saints. Nothing wrong with honoring those who have gone before us. It's very biblical. But when I began worshiping them, that's when I began to get into error. Because the Bible doesn't tell me to do that. When I began to practice certain things in the church that we've practiced for years and years, and I want to uphold those traditions, those traditions are great. Nothing wrong with those traditions, but when when I forget why I started doing the tradition in the first place, that's when I get into error because I glorify the tradition above why I'm doing it in the first place. Amen? Amen? And if I forget why, I'm missing the purpose. People do the same thing with the power of the Holy Spirit. People do the same thing with the power of the Holy Spirit. They forget the purpose and they make it all about themselves. And we make an idol out of something and we get in a ditch and we wound people in the body of Christ and we split churches over things that God said should actually unite churches. Because my Bible reads that there's one spirit, there's one baptism, there's one body. That's what I see in scripture. So the spirit is supposed to bring unity. But so many times because people make the spirit of God all about themselves and they make the manifestations and the move of the Holy Spirit all about themselves, they miss it and they don't prefer their brother. Amen. (laughs) Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 says this. Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call He uses this interesting phrase here. He said, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean there? Well, that word gift in the Greek is the word charisma. It's where we get the word charismatic from. You ever wonder, where did that word even come from? It came from the Greek origin of charisma. And it just simply means a gift that is endued by another. It's a gift of grace. It's not something you earned. It's not something you worked for. It's not something you became good enough in the eyes of God that now he wants to give you this gift. No, it's a work of grace. And all works of grace are all received by faith. Any work of grace is received by faith. Amen? Amen. If it all of a sudden becomes something I can earn or deserve, it no longer becomes a gift, and it no longer becomes about grace. It becomes about me and my ability to attain, seek, press in, tarry, whatever have you that you want to try to do. It's received by faith. Amen? Amen? Amen. So what does that mean, the gift of the Holy Spirit? Man, he wants everybody to receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. Well... Let's look at this. Let's break it down. This is what he's talking about. Because remember, the Holy Spirit has two different primary functions that we see in Scripture that Jesus told us he would have. Number one, we see an assurance of salvation. And that's from repentance because why? The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, right? You remember us talking about that? And so because the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, once we've been convicted of that sin and we put our faith and trust in Christ, that should give us an assurance of salvation because it's not of works lest any man should boast, right? Ephesians, I mean Galatians chapter 2. Where he says that we're saved by grace through faith. So we are assured of our salvation because the Holy Spirit has convicted us and drawn us to that place of repentance. And again, remember repentance not being something that is just me saying I'm sorry, but a turning away from. It's me saying I'm turning away from who I was and I'm now identifying with Christ Second thing that the Holy Spirit does, the gift of the Holy Spirit, is that he creates an indwelling presence for leading us into truth. Remember, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would lead us and guide us into all truth. The Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us into all truth. I I think that somewhat of that could be interpreted as the Holy Spirit helps us to understand Scripture. Because how many times have we been at a place in our lives where we've read and we've read and we've read and then all of a sudden one day something we've read over and over again just is boom illuminated to us and it makes sense. Or we go, wow, I never saw that before. Or I never saw it that way. How many times have you said things like that? I've said that lots of times. That's the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us into all truth. That's why I think it's so interesting. We think we've got God figured out. Man, I don't even think we've scratched the surface. And I don't believe that these 66 books contain everything about God. I think that God is bigger than this. But we, this is what he wants us to know about him for this lifetime. And the rest we're going to get to see. And we haven't even hit the surface on this. But the Holy Spirit is leading us from revelation to revelation to revelation about who God is. And the Holy Spirit is helping us to make sense of those things. One of the greatest comments that we hear at Word of Grace on a consistent basis is, I love being a part of this church because it helps me to understand the Bible. Man, I don't want you to leave this place confused. And guess what? Neither does God. God doesn't want you to read His Word and be confused. He didn't say, hey, let's mess with some people, angels. Why don't we create a book with, uh, uh, with, with 66 books in it, and let's really mess people up. Let's just get them all good and confused. No, that's not the purpose. God wants us to know him, amen? He wants us to know his character. He wants us to understand his word because he wants us to understand him. This word shows us the character of God from front to back. It shows us his heart for us, and the Holy Spirit helps us to grow in that understanding by leading us and guiding us into all truth and here's one of the beautiful things that the Holy Spirit does can take the same message that's being preached to four or five hundred people on a weekend and people who hear it online and can help it to make sense to each individual regardless of where they're at because that's the Holy Spirit working it's not that you and your husband or you and your wife are driving home and go well that was a great message today I heard this and this and this and she goes what they didn't even talk about that this is what I thought he talked about Because you're hearing different things, but yet the same thing because the Holy Spirit is very personal with each one of us. Amen? Amen. Helping us to be led and guided into all truth to give us what he knows that we need. So I have to trust that as I preach to you that you're getting what you need from the Holy Spirit because that's what he does with the Word of God. He makes it applicable and relevant to wherever we're at in life. That's part of him leading and guiding us in all truth. Third thing, he's equipping us for service, for both evangelism and edification. Evangelism is the spreading of the gospel so more people can be saved. We all have that responsibility. But we can only do it through the power of the Holy Spirit if we intend to be effective. Otherwise, we're just coming up with a bunch of man efforts to create a man result. But if we want God's results, we need to do it God's way, right? Right? And so I need His power to work in me and through me to do the things that I can't do. So that's why I need to be sensitive to His Holy Spirit. That's why the giftings that He gives us are to be used for evangelism, as we see in Acts 1 and 8, where He said that the Holy Spirit's going to come and baptize you with this power so you can go be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, and Samaria, and to all these parts of the earth, because you can't do this by yourself. In other words, that's really what God's trying to tell us. You can't do this on your own, and I don't expect you to. Because that word helper or comforter that we read in John 16 is actually translated in the Greek parakletos, and it means helper or side aid. It's actually a legal term for like a paralegal, a person who is helping you through something that has authority and power and understanding you don't have to help accomplish something that you couldn't have done by yourself. It's exactly what the Holy Spirit does. Edification for the body of Christ and for us as individuals are certain giftings that the Holy Spirit gives for the edification or the building up of the body of Christ to help preserve unity, to encourage and strengthen one another. Man, you should be encouraged and strengthened and edified by spending time with other believers in the context of your church community and church family. Amen? Because the Holy Spirit in us not only wants to evangelize to the world and win lost people to Jesus, but the Holy Spirit in us also wants us to edify and strengthen and build up one another. So that's why sometimes we pray bold prayers, whether or not we we may pray them with the person there or may pray them behind the scenes. Have you ever been just going about your day just doing normal things and then all of a sudden you just feel a strong urge to perhaps pray for someone? And maybe you don't even know the person, but perhaps something just came up and you're like, man, I feel like I really need to. You need to submit to that and obey that because the Holy Spirit is wanting you to intercede on someone else's behalf. Maybe you pray a bold prayer with someone they're actually present. Maybe you speak a bold word. Maybe you pray for someone and they're healed, whether that be from emotional or physical, whatever it may be. God will lead you to pray and, and, and you may have that gift of, of healing. Maybe God would empower you uh, in that moment to be able to give someone an encouraging word. Maybe you had no foreknowledge about what was going on, but you're like, I just really feel like God wants you to know that he, he loves you, and whatever you're going through, he's, he's going to be there with you, and he hasn't left you. And then the person just completely collapses and, and, and breaks down crying because God used you to speak to them, but it wasn't you. It was the power of the Holy Spirit operating in you. That's all throughout Scripture. Yeah. And, and, and Paul teaches us how to do that decently and in order in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, and we're going to get into that here in the next few weeks, and we're going to go through that more practically But before we talked about the functionality of the Holy Spirit, I think that it's very important that we get rooted and grounded as a church in the purpose of the Holy Spirit. So evangelism and edification. Lastly, a developing Christ-likeness. The Holy Spirit leads us into this process of sanctification. Again, kind of giving the illustration of my buddy with the OU thing or whether it would be something that the Holy Spirit convicts us of. Have you realized that the longer that you're a Christian that God will begin to deal with your heart about things now that perhaps He didn't deal with you about when you first came to Christ? Have you found that? God's dealing with me about this, and why didn't He bug me about that ten years ago when I got saved? Because God knows what you need when you need it, right? That's why we have to get rid of this notion that when we come to Christ and we get saved and we give our heart to Jesus, the old man is gone, the new man has come, that we immediately have to change every single thing in our life and become these perfect people who never do anything wrong ever again. And we feel condemnation if we don't measure up. And man, that's a lie from the enemy to keep people out of church and keep them away from God. That, that, that's not the purpose of us getting saved or coming to Christ. You see, we're growing in sanctification. We're growing in Christ-likeness. And so God may deal with me about some things that, man, He didn't even deal with me about before. I didn't even realize I needed to be aware of some of the things that He makes me aware of now. Because that wasn't where I was at at that time. So I have to trust the Holy Spirit working in me. And here's what you have to do. You have to trust the Holy Spirit working in other people. Oh, let me say that again. Stop trying to be the Holy Spirit for other people. You need to trust the Holy Spirit at work in other people. Yeah, we need to give them truth. Yeah, we need to help guide them along. But we can't change their heart. Amen? Amen. So if you have a loved one that you're concerned about, stop trying to be the Holy Spirit for that loved one. Start trusting the Holy Spirit and start praying for that person and just loving them and giving them truth where it's appropriate. Not because you're trying to manipulate a response or a change so you can go to bed and rest. No, you need to rest in the fact that God is faithful to His Word and that you need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to not only edify the individual, but to lift the individual up and let the Holy Spirit work on that individual. Amen? Hold fast to the promises of God, but stop trying to create change. Oh, that's a powerful word for somebody here this morning. The purpose of the power is the evangelization of the gospel and the edification of the church all for the glory of God. We need to remember that. We need to always stay rooted and grounded in that. If you walk away with any one thing from this message, I pray that you write this one statement down and that you think about this and you allow this to become an anchor for your journey with God. That the purpose of the power of the Holy Spirit is the evangelization of the gospel and the edification of the church all for the glory of God. Not for the... uh, Someone thinking you're special or you're spiritual, but all for the glory of God. So as you pursue Him, as you grow in Him, as you grow in understanding how to uh, uh, listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, and when we understand how to operate in those gifts of the Holy Spirit, stay anchored in this. If you stay anchored in this, you'll always be decent and in order. You'll always be pointing people to the cross and not pointing them to yourselves. If you get away from this statement right here and you miss the why, you'll make it about yourself. That quick. You want to know how I know? I grew up in it. I grew up in it. I grew up in abuse of the gifts of the spirit and people making it all about them. Oh, here comes brother so and so. He's super spiritual. Here comes sister so and so. They're super spiritual. They proud. They pray louder than anyone else. They do things different than anyone else. They do all these things, and all they're doing is attracting attention unto themselves because they want you to think they're something special. And we make it all about ourselves, and we got to cut that mess out. Because, in the words of Sweet Brown, "Ain't nobody got time for that." (laughs) Amen. The purpose of the power of the Holy Spirit is the evangelization of the gospel and the edification of the church, all for the glory of God. So we re- need to remember, remember the twofold work of the Holy Spirit's power is to convict us of sin and draw us to Jesus to be baptized into the family of God and to continually fill and equip us to be used by God through teaching, empowering, and emboldening believers. We need to remember that, that it is equipping for us, yes. But it's conviction of sin. We need to remember the purpose and the, of the power and the reason why the power is even available. It's not just so we can just have an amazing good time here at church. It is so people can be pointed to Jesus Christ. The baptism in the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit are both works of grace received by faith. So you need to remember that as well. These are works of grace and they are received by faith. Being baptized simply means this. It means He has empowered you to be used for His kingdom, to evangelize the gospel and edify the body of Christ. To be baptized in the Holy Spirit is to simply ask and believe that God will work through you to do for Him what you cannot do in your own strength. So God, fill me with Your Spirit. Fill me with more of You. God, I want to be empowered to be used by You. Lord, I want everything that You have for me. And I realize this is a work of grace. And I can only receive it by faith. And I want to be endued with power because I believe that that same power that the disciples experienced and thousands of people experienced that we read about in the book of Acts, I believe that those things have not gone by the wayside because Scripture does not tell us that. I believe that those things are for today, and he wants us to do that for evangelism and edification. Amen? Amen for evangelism and edification. He wants to work in us and through us. And that's how I believe that we're used by the Holy Spirit to do those things. So being filled with the Holy Spirit is a continual pursuit of more of God and wanting to be used by God, but trusting that only Jesus can change hearts. Remember, I said there's three separate occasions where Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit to teach or share things that he couldn't have done on his own. Paul told us in 1 Corinthians 12 that we should desire spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. We should desire those things. We should want those things. Because here's really at the heart and the core what Paul was saying. Paul was saying we should desire to be used by God to share the gospel. Because we can't do it in our own strength. Amen? Because the Holy Spirit empowers us to be bold in situations where we would not have been bold otherwise. He'll give us the words to say to someone we've never met or how to give advice. He'll empower us to pray bold prayers or see physical healing happen for God's glory because we wanted to be used by God and His Holy Spirit did in us and through us what we could never have naturally done on our own and it's all for the glory of His name. The Holy Spirit wants to work in you and through you. It isn't so we can all just have a good time in church where we have wild, crazy services that are emotionally driven and only focus on our feelings and everyone gets freaked out Except for ten people and nobody walks away changed. That's not the power of the Holy Spirit. Because the power of the Holy Spirit is going to point people to Jesus. Sometimes it may look different. Sometimes it may seem different. But it's going to point people to Jesus. The power of the Holy Spirit operates in our everyday lives to encourage the church and to empower us to spread the name of Jesus by living bold lives for Him. Here's the thing, folks, and I want you to get this. My heart breaks over this. And I thank God that I experienced the things in the context of the local church that I experienced so I could say this with confidence. One of my biggest heartaches and pet peeves and things that burden my heart is when I see people use the power of the Holy Spirit become all about themselves and the things that happen to those people and through those people only happen in the context of a church service more times than outside of a church service. If it's only happening in the church house, is it really God or are you just getting together with a bunch of people who are like-minded to have a good time? Because the purpose I don't see in Scripture is just to have a good time in church. The purpose I see in Scripture is to evangelize the gospel and tell people about Jesus and to edify the body of Christ. And it breaks my heart when we just make it about a good time on a Sunday morning and then we check out and don't even think about God the rest of the week. That's wrong. And it has to stop. I grew up in that type of abuse where I never saw people do the things they would do in church at a restaurant. I never saw them do those things. I never saw those people do those things at line in the grocery store. I never even saw them do those things in their home or with their friends. It would only happen on a church service where the music was just right and the good services were where the preacher didn't preach. And that's the way that I grew up and experienced an abuse of the power of God. Nobody got saved. Nobody walked away changed. We just all walked away a little weirder. (laughs) That doesn't mean that sometimes the Holy Spirit won't do things that you might consider weird. Because I think sometimes there are things that are very, uh, they're not normal to us. It's not normal that God would want me to go speak to someone I've never met before. That's weird. That's why you lead off with, hey, I promise I'm not crazy. (laughs) (laughs) That's a a good intro, (laughs) which may be a good indication you are a little bit, at least. God is for God, and God is going to do things that point people to Him, not turn them away. And if you have the mentality and the attitude that everybody else needs to get with the program, you're missing the heart of God. Because part of preferring your brother is that even though you may have a different understanding than they may have, you're willing to submit your experience and your expression to help them to grow in their understanding. Instead of you isolate people away from you because you want everyone to be like you. Because the goal is not to be you. Oh, I I know, that's fun, right? Right. The goal is not to be you. The goal is not to be Pastor Derek. The goal is to be more like Jesus. That's the goal. And if you're pushing people away from Christ, you need to evaluate your heart and say, is what I'm doing pushing people away or drawing them to? Is my personal freedom of expression drawing people to or pushing them away from? Especially in the context of a church or especially in the context of community. Because God's not going to embarrass himself. Oh, snap. Hmm. God's not going to embarrass himself. God is only going to do things that are going to point people to him and make him seem all the more lovely. And all the more beautiful and all the more wonderful and all the more holy and all the more gracious and all the more forgiving and all the more truth and all the more love and all the more everything we need. He's going to show Himself as that kind of big God. And so we need to make sure that our hearts are humble before Him and that we don't make the gifts of the Holy Spirit or the power of the Holy Spirit about us because we can actually push people away if we say, yeah, they need to just get with the program. You're in the wrong if you do that. You want to know how I know? I were one. (laughs) It really... It really just... It really breaks my heart um, when we have that type of spiritual arrogance, when we think everybody needs to be like us and just get with the program. You know what I think the mark of spiritual maturity is as I look at the Bible? I don't think that the mark of spiritual maturity is how expressive you are, or how charismatic and free you are, I think that the mark of true spirituality is, am I willing to invest my life in someone else to teach them about Jesus? Not how loud I can pray or how special my prayers sound or how good of a backflip I can do when the Spirit's moving to church. (laughs) I think the mark of true spirituality is... I see the need to raise up a generation that knows the Lord, and I want them to know him like I've come to know him. And so I'm willing to invest my life and my time to help that person grow to that understanding. That's spiritual maturity, not just a comfort in expression. If we equate that with spirituality, then we're missing the mark. Don't be impressed by someone's freedom of expression, church. Hmm. Hmm. Don't be impressed by someone's freedom of expression. Instead, we should all strive to be disciples who are making disciples and investing our lives. I think that's the most spiritual thing we could do because Jesus said, go into all the world. Whoa, almost fell. Go into all the world. He said, go into all the world and do what? Make disciples. Yeah, that's why we focus on discipleship here at Word of Grace. That's why that's... I, I think God wants you to understand His Word. I think he, want, he wants you to know Him. And I think He wants you to have amazing encounters and, 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 and have wonderful expressions of His presence. I think that He wants you to have uh, amazing encounters with, with, with His glory and His presence where He becomes so real to you. I, I want you to have that, for sure. I, I think that's important, but that doesn't mean you're more spiritual than somebody else. Ephesians. That's the last thing I want to leave you with. Ephesians five fifteen through 21 that's your, uh, that's your homework, okay? Ephesians five fifteen through 21, because this is where Paul says, don't be drunk with wine as an excess, but I want you to be filled with the Spirit. And then he goes on to tell us how to be filled with the Spirit. And so I want us to continually as a church grow in, in being filled with His Spirit by tanking up more of Him, by pouring ourselves out more, by being aware of our need for the Holy Spirit power in our lives and asking that God would fill us with that power that God would baptize us like He did those apostles in His Spirit for the purpose, for the purpose of evangelization of the gospel and the edification of the church. And then watch God do amazing things in your life. Don't want to talk too much about all the how-tos and practicalities and all of the, all of the function as much, because we're going to get to that in the next few weeks, because I know that's a scary part of the Bible that people like to stay away from, because it doesn't make sense to some people. But my job is to help it make sense to you. Because it's not scary, it's not spooky, and it's not weird. It's something God's wanting to do in you and through you because He wants people to know Him and He wants the church to be edified and unified. Amen? Amen. So we're going to grow in that. So you just keep seeking. You just keep pressing. Keep keep, keep searching. Okay? Keep looking. T- take these notes from this sermon today, and I, I want to challenge you. To not just blow them off or, or, or not just uh, put them on the shelf. I want you to actually search and, and allow God to speak to you through this message. And, and if it's challenged you, if it's challenged the way you were brought up to believe, good, good. I, I don't care if, if you're more on the expressive side of the ditch or you're more on the reserve. No, we don't talk about that side of the ditch. Let's let's get out of the ditch and get on the road, amen. Because God, I want what God has for me. I don't know about you. I want what has for me. Why don't you stand up this morning? Why don't we pray before we go? Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.